What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always, as we, well, we're not 100% done with uh, this exciting Saturday of college lacrosse, and we do have a good amount of games tomorrow. Uh, Right now, we have Manhattan and Marist going on. At the moment, Marist up 5-4. to four. Uh, A little nugget just to get in real quick here. If Manhattan wins this game, they take that first place spot in the MAC tournament as Quinnipiac um, has pulled out of the MAC tournament. They say they're done for the season uh, due to COVID protocols, I believe, um, is what they gave as to why they're done for the season. Um, so whoever wins this game, uh, well, Manhattan will get the first place seed if they win this game. Um, if Marist wins this game, I, I don't exactly know what will happen. I mean, they're 2-0. If they win this game, they're 2-0 in conference play. They've only This is the third game of the season. It's the last game of the season. Every team is making the MAC tournament this year because of um, the pauses that we've seen within MAC programs, uh, most notably Marist not playing for 37 days. So um, some interesting developments in the MAC um, late here on a Saturday night uh, with that game still going on. Uh, third quarter as I record this, so get start recording here. So um, let's get into some games that went down this weekend. Um, have got about five that I'm gonna go kind of deeper, deeper dive into, um, and then a couple that we will um, also reference and talk about uh, a tad bit as well. Uh, so first and foremost, let's talk about the Syracuse Orange. Um, wow, they got a fantastic win, a much needed win. Today, as they take down Virginia, thirteen to eleven, um, the catalyst to this, Jacob Fop, Jacob Fop, went twenty-four for twenty-seven at the dot. That's eighty-nine percent. The last time out against uh, Virginia, when Syracuse won, uh, what was the final of that one? Syracuse won that one 20-10, and that was back in September. And since then, these two teams couldn't have gone on you know, any more different paths. So Jacob Fopp goes 89% today. That's his best since going 82% against Holy Cross. That's his best in ACC play today was... He went 67 against Virginia, 61 against Army. Um, who Army? If if a loss is good, that's the you know, one of the better losses uh, from the early season, obviously. And then you have Virginia that they beat, and they beat Virginia again today. And uh, Jacob Fop stepped up when they needed him most. He has been. Not as good the past couple games, especially in ACC play. Going 10% against Duke. 
13% against Notre Dame, 36% last week against North Carolina. Um, and he didn't take every draw, obviously, in those games. It was uh, a little bit by committee there um, in those games. And then today, well, he was the only guy that took any faceoffs. And, um, you know, Petey Lasala has, has been playing some of his best lacrosse this year um, over the past couple weeks. And Jacob Fopp holds him to one for 16 at the dot. They put Gavin Ty in. They could put Gable Braun in. I mean, and Gavin Ty went two for nine. Braun 0 for two. Um, Jacob Fopp, absolutely the key player in this game for the Orange as, you know, he sets the pace for them there. And, uh, you know, Syracuse, I've talked about this the past couple of weeks. Like, they, like, they show these flashes, or they've shown flashes of what they can do, what they can be, specifically offensively. Now, defensively, I thought they played a lot better today as well. We saw Drake Porter um, had a heck of a game, nine saves uh, in the game. He thought he played very well. Um, thought the Syracuse defense played uh, mightily well also. Uh, part of that has to be attributed to the face-off success they had. Um, and, and just everybody was feeding off of that energy. Um, offensively, we saw Owen Hiltz have three goals and two assists for five points. And then Jamie Trimboli uh, had a great game as well. Three goals and one point, uh, one assist, excuse me. And, and, and But the, the, the guy that everyone's talking about, and I talked about him on Thursday's show, or Friday's show, excuse me, Owen Siebel. And and I said, I said, look, he's going to be the guy that steps up and replaces Chase Scanlon. How good is he going to be? I don't know. Um, and I said, Scanlon, pound for pound, is a better player than Siebel. You know, but there were people telling me, and I've heard this from multiple people, this offense is going to look better with Seabold in it because of the struggles that Scanlon has had, particularly the past couple weeks. And look, uh, to everyone who said that, had that take, y'all were right. Owen Seabold, two goals, two assists. Um, he played one heck of a game. One heck of a game. And he's had good games this season. He came into this game, I think maybe had three-something goals like that, two assists. He hasn't been as productive as he's been in prior years. But, no, he, he wasn't necessarily bad. He just wasn't productive. And um, he uh, has himself one heck of a game today. And, you know, like I mentioned, Syracuse has had these flashes, specifically offensively, where they're able to move the ball well, get it inside, get those shots on the doorstep. They've done that each of these past weeks, like when you look at their goals against Notre Dame, against Duke, against North Carolina, they were scoring on the inside. They would have, particularly early in the game, they would have these situations where they were scoring goals like they did today, but they only did it for maybe a half or not even a whole half, sometimes not even a full quarter. They put it all together today. And uh, all those flashes that we've seen, they put it together today, and they had 
their best performance of the season since that Virginia game. Fantastic win for Syracuse. Now, you look on the Virginia side, um, Xander Dixon was the guy to beat today. Uh, three goals, one assist for him. I mentioned P.D. Lasala was struggling at the faceoff dot against Jacob Fopp. Uh, we had Matt Moore with one goal, three assists, and Connor Schellenberger with uh, three assists as well. Uh, Charlie Bertrand had himself a solid game also with two goals. And this is not a Virginia team that necessarily ever – like I don't think there was ever a point where they looked 100% out of it. Um, Syracuse definitely in that um, – I believe it was around kind of the third quarter there where um, it kind of looked like they were running away with things. And, and, and in turn, they did. Um, they ran away with things. So, um, they're, yeah, yeah, in, in, in the third. Um, they were ahead 72 early in the third. Um, they had that five-goal run there after getting up three. Syracuse had that five-goal run after getting up 3-2 in the first. They're up 7-2 in the third early on, and, and it kind of looked like, you know, other than that point, there was never a specific time where I thought Virginia's 100% out of this, and we saw them come back a bit. We saw them come back. Xander Dixon had that goal to ignite that three-goal run uh, for the Wahoos, and they pulled within 9-8. to eight. So they, they had the fight in them. Um, it just the... Mix the effectiveness of the Syracuse offense with the domination at the faceoff dot that we saw from Jacob Fopp and just the energy that they that, that was flowing throughout this Syracuse team. And, and they were able to put it all together. Virginia just could not top them. So, uh, you know, congrats to Syracuse. A fantastic win. Um, what does this mean for them? NCAA tournament-wise, well, fellas, they're in the tournament. Um, like I said on, on Friday, if they lost this game and they lost to North Carolina, excuse me, to Notre Dame in the finale, they were out. Um, Virginia is very well situated to be in that tournament. They already were. They're still in. Syracuse is still in. I think the ACC is going to get five teams in for sure, right now, uh, with the way things are looking, especially after this game, especially after this uh, performance from Syracuse. Now, if they get blown out, blown out by the Irish next week, and we have some other funky stuff happen in some other conferences, the Patriot League, um, the Big Ten maybe, you know, that might take a Syracuse spot away still, so there's still a lot to be determined. But um, as of right now, Syracuse, it, it looks a lot safer than they did a week ago. And this is exactly the kind of game they needed, exactly the kind of win they needed to boost their resume. And another team that boosted their resume today, obviously getting a big win in a big-time atmosphere, 17,000 people uh, believe. Well, I don't know if it was 17,000 exactly, but they sold, were well, selling 17,000 tickets. Um, the Navy midshipmen uh, took down arch-rival Army West Point, 9-4. to Much-needed win for Navy. 
Uh, they get their second Patriot League in a win in a row for the first time this season. Beat Loyola last week. Uh, get this win this week, and um, just phenomenal defensive performance from Navy. This is a very potent Army offense with guys like Brendan Nickton um, and Aiden Burns on this team. And, and, and Army, this kind of generation, if you want to call it that, of Army lacrosse, some of the best offenses we've seen from them in a while. Um, I would say, you know, Brendan Nickton, someone had asked me this the other day, they said, is he the best offensive player at Army since Garrett Thule? I'd probably agree with that. And this this Army offense is some of the best that we've seen since those days, which was back in 2011, 2012-ish, I, I believe. So this is a very potent Army team, a very potent Army offense, and Navy was able to shut them down. Um, now, when you look at the Navy defense, a big part of that was Spencer Lease in cage, a career high, 19 saves, absolutely phenomenal game from him there, uh, career high, 19 saves. Uh, but we also had uh, Jacob Jarzos, um, and, and I mentioned on, on Thursday, and this has been a talking point of all you around Army, they don't have much at the faceoff dot, and that was true today. Jarzos goes 10 for 17 for Navy. That was also a big part of it as well, um, defensively, keeping that ball out of Army's hands. Um, and even when Army did have it, the uh, the, the Navy defense clamped down um, big time, and, and they held them to, to four goals. Um, that's the least amount of goals Army has scored since I think 2017 is what I saw, is the stat I saw. So um, fantastic game from Navy. Uh, we, we talked about Spencer Reese. We, we got to talk about Joe uh, Del, Delray. Um, this is a guy, look, this is this is the, the, the kind of thing that we see in Army-Navy. This is the kind of thing that, that you, you want to see, I want to see, no matter if you're a fan of Army, Navy, if you don't care. This is the kind of things that we want to see in Army-Navy games. This is this was a traditional Army-Navy game, a lot of defense. And then Joe uh, Delve here uh, with uh, Delilah, excuse me, with three goals. This is a guy who was on the scout team for the majority of the season. He had one ground ball and three shots coming into this game. He played against Jacksonville and then did not play again in a game until three weeks ago. He gets in against Lehigh, has a shot. Gets in against Loyola last week, has a ground ball, takes two shots. And I saw in the uh, I was the, the post-game press conference, um, Joe Amplo said that uh, Delilah had told him, you know, I think it was before the game, I think he said uh, when he was walking around the locker room, he said, Coach, uh, calm down. Uh, quit being so nervous. Because obviously this was Joe Amplo's first Army-Navy game. Um, and he said something to the, to the effect of, why don't you score a goal and I'll stop being nervous? Well, he goes out and... and, and 
and gets a hat trick. So a very, very cool storyline there. Cool story there. Um, for Delilah, uh, you know, got to gotta feel good for the young man. Um, we also saw James Flannery and then Max Hewitt uh, with two goals as well. Um, Dan Dane Swanson with two goals also. Uh, so two freshmen there uh, getting their fair shake for Navy. Just a really, really good performance all around from the midshipmen, especially defensively. This has been a strong defense all year, and, and they continue to do that. Um, this game is, is one that certainly uh, also raises the resume of Navy. Um, when you look, I think my bracketology last week, um, which will be coming out on Tuesday again this week, I had Navy out. I had Syracuse in, um, and I said Navy and Syracuse are kind of fighting for that last spot. I think that's still probably the case. Um, I, right now, I think Navy would be the first team out. I would have Syracuse one of the last teams in, um, and Navy would be one of the last teams out. Um, and this also, you know, I, I don't know if it hurts Army's resume as much. Um, and then we mentioned that Patriot League does have, they expanded the tournament to have a quarterfinals, a semifinals, and a title game as usual. So uh, Navy, no, well, this time last week, didn't think they had a shot to win the Patriot League. They do have a shot to win the Patriot League now. So uh, this game just gives them more momentum there. They've got a game against Lafayette who, I mean, hey, man, this is a Lafayette team. They, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but so they're 0-9. But they gave Lehigh a run for their money last week, last Sunday. And they gave Loyola a pretty good, uh, they gave them some fits today as well. So this is an improving Lafayette team, uh, obviously with the record not showing that. But uh, so Navy's got one more left on the schedule before we get into Patriot League tournament play. Good one for them uh, as they sing second in Annapolis on Saturday. Quick score update here. We got a 7-6 to six Marist at the end of the third. Uh, so that one is still going on here as I record here on uh, Saturday night. Uh, moving on to another um, rivalry game. Excuse me. Moving on to another rivalry game. In the state of Maryland also, Maryland 14, Johns Hopkins 13. So, Logan Wisnowskis, Jared Bernhardt, y'all have all seen the clips online by now. Fantastic game from both of these young men. Four goals, one assist for both. Um, So, that's combining for what, eight? Combining for ten points in the game. Um, and these guys came to the rescue. Um, they were the saviors of Maryland. Uh, they kept Maryland's undefeated season afloat, uh, which is Maryland's first undefeated season, a uh, regular season, excuse me. Though 10 and0, obviously Big Ten schedule ended today. It's their first regular season undefeated since. I want to say it's been a while. 
it, it was like 19, 19 something, 1980 something, I want to say, is, is what I had seen. I cannot find where I saw that on the Maryland. It was from the Maryland Athletics website. I cannot see where I found that. But um, Maryland stays undefeated. Tightest contest of the season for the Topes. Um, they keep that, the, the, the rivalry, that uh, wooden crab. They keep the crab. Um, they're in College Park, obviously taking it home to College Park, uh, back with them from Homewood. Avoid the scale at Homewood. Um, and look, Logan Wisnowski, Jared Bernhardt, you know, they had, they, they tied it with two straight from those, from those guys late in the fourth. And then Wisnowski put in the game winner with 18 seconds left. My question, and I've watched this play like five or six times already, how in the world do you leave Logan Wisnowskis that wide open? I get, get on Bernhardt, get on Bernhardt. I get that. But why are you, why are you leaving Wisnowskis that wide open? I mean, this dude was butt naked wide open for the goal, for, for the win. The slide came, but it, it, it took a while. It, it took a while. Um, so, Wisnowskis with the game winner. Maryland gets the win there. Um, this game, for me, was more indicative of how much Hopkins has improved, more so than Maryland having to come back. Like, I took much more away from this game about Hopkins than I did about Maryland. So, we had uh, Tim uh, Marcel with 14 saves in his first career start. I thought he played phenomenal for the Blue Jays uh, in this game. Connor Simone put Hopkins on his friggin' back like he has a lot of times this year. Three goals and an assist. Thought he played very well also. And honestly, y- y- you've got to give it up for Peter Millman and his staff, John Grant Jr., Jameson Kostner, what they've done with this Hopkins program in just year one. You're talking about a program that didn't have a fall ball, had a pause preseason, and it's a new staff, and they go toe-to-toe with what is right now the number one team in the country and their biggest rival. Obviously, you should always go toe-to-toe with your biggest rival. But considering what Hopkins has been all year, which is, I don't want to say abysmal, because they've had some, they've been in some rock fights. They've been in some rock fights. But since beating Penn State on March 13th, they've not won a game. They are riding a one, two, three, four, five, six game losing streak into the Big Ten tournament, which starts, I think, in two weeks, I believe, is when the Big Ten tournament uh, gets underway. So, you know, they're ending the regular season. And, and, and look, has like that's a great fight. They fought hard, but that's a rough way to lose, man. That That's a rough way to lose. Uh, but you, you do have to give Hopkins props for the improvements they've made. Um, they looked like the better team for portions of this game, to be honest with y'all. 
Um, they found ways to get around that Maryland defense. And there was a stretch there where you know, they went on a five. They went five unanswered from the 39-second mark through the 820 mark in the third. Uh, well, 39-second mark in the second through the 829 mark in the third. Tie things up at nine. They were down nine to four late in the second. Hopkins goes on another run to start the final uh, period and you know, put away three in a row, take their first lead of the game. They get up 13 to 11, and that's when Maryland goes, oh, crap, we're going to lose. Wisnowskis, Bernhardt, no, no, they're in the huddle looking at those two guys. John Tillman says, do your thing. They do it. This is obviously a great team, but uh, got to give props to, and a great win for Maryland, obviously. Always great to beat your rival, but got to give props to uh, Johns Hopkins and what they were able to do today. Uh, I, I don't think anybody saw that coming, to be honest with you. I know I didn't. I certainly did not see that coming. I didn't think it was going to be. I think I said it's going to be closer than it was last time, but Maryland would win and win big. They won. It was a lot closer than last time. Well, they didn't win big. Logan Wisnowskis, Jared Bonhart, Wisnowskis with the with the game winner. Those two guys, uh, heck of a game, heck of an ending. Moving on to another Big Ten game here, uh, a rivalry game. Penn State edges Ohio State ten to nine to capture, or I should say, keep the Creators Trophy. So um, the Creators Trophy is a three way rivalry between Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan that they established before the Big Ten was a conference. So whoever wins the head-to-head between the rivalry between those three gets the Creators Trophy. It's been in Happy Valley since 2016, um, and it stays in Happy Valley as uh, Penn State gets the 10-9 to win. Uh, Dylan Folds, absolutely unbelievable game. Four goals in this one, including um, the game winner. Actually, the final two goals of the contest uh, to seal the deal. Mac O'Keefe had the assist on the uh, the, the the game tying goal late there in the contest. Uh, the first of those two folds goals late uh, it in the contest there, um, and Penn State by beating Ohio State. They get that number three seed in the Big Ten tournament there. Um, this is a back-and-forth game the entire way. Very impressed with both of these teams, how hard they fought. Um, Got to give it up to Folds um, for Penn State. Jack Myers had the same stat line, four goals for Ohio, for Ohio State. He had a goal late in the game that looked like it was going to be the game winner. Obviously ends up... Uh, not being that with Folds going off there late in the game. And the Nittany Lions take the win. Um, Ohio State had a couple shots late, but Alilic, uh, Fycock, uh, Fyock was there. 15 saves um, in his first career start for Penn State. He replaced Colby Kinnis last week. I would assume they ride him into the 
Um, Big Ten tournament. Fyak uh, had a fantastic first career start. Very impressed with him. Alec Van D. Bevogenkamp uh, had 10 saves there for Ohio State. He continues his impressive play as well in cage for the Buckeyes. Going over some other games here now. Uh, Drexel gets their sixth consecutive win. They are now the hottest team in the country. Um, well, you could call Maryland that as well. Uh, Duke, anyone, really. But uh, Drexel, I said it right this time, guys. Not Drexel, Drexel. Uh, owns their sixth consecutive win, as I mentioned. Beating Hofstra 12-8. to on Saturday afternoon, Dragons. This is a back and forth battle the entire way. Five goal run from late in the third through the 808 mark in the second. Uh, excuse me, in the fourth seals the deal. Uh, Hofstra was able to get a couple late. We saw Ryan Tierney. This dude literally tried to um, one handed between the legs. This dude literally tries that. I think it was in the third, and he he misses. But to to like he didn't miss by that much though. To to be able to even try that in a game is ridiculous. So uh, had you mentioned that there from Ryan Tierney, who was held to one assist in the game, by the way. So phenomenal play from Drexel defensively. Uh, Sterling Audrey had uh, the hat trick for Hofstra, their number one guy on offense today. Ross uh, Blumenthal with 12 saves for Drexel to anchor a solid defensive effort. Reed Bowering uh, with three goals, one assist, and then reversed that stat line for Sean Donnelly. One goal and three assists as those two guys continue to be, uh, you know, the 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it for this Drexel offense. Uh, Drexel's having one heck of a season. Um, Lost their first couple games. Uh, was were they one and three like ending February I believe uh or like early March and they have just done nothing but win since then uh, getting a win today against Hofstra uh, continuing that so uh, and by the way we'll go over a couple games here to mention then we'll go over the conference races uh for a couple conferences obviously the ACC doesn't matter. We talked about the Patriot League. That one's pretty much set in stone to an extent besides working out some uh, seeding, but uh, we'll talk some Big Ten, America East, and CAA here in a minute. Um, and speaking of the America East, as just mentioned there, um, the Binghamton Bearcats, shout out to uh, Coach McEwen and his staff, his squad there, getting a huge, huge win over Vermont, winning 10-7. Bearcats ended the contest on a five-goal run, which included, the literally, the game ended two straight from Kevin Winkoff and then Thomas uh, Greenblatt to get the win there. Both those guys had two goals. A very diverse scoring from Binghamton in this game. Teddy Dolan with 15 saves uh, in cage. Ryan Cornell with 11 saves for Vermont. Uh, very, very impressive effort from Binghamton in this one to get that upset win. And uh, the America East 
sitting at the top. I believe it's kind of a two through a tie uh, as it was coming into the week. Oh, my. Marist 10, Manhattan 6 with nine minutes to go here. So uh looks like the at the moment, the Red Foxes are uh, going to get a pretty good win here for themselves uh, in the MAC to close out their season. Uh, that'll be interested, interesting to see what the MAC tournament situation looks like after this one. Like, like, where do you put a team that's two, that's two and zero in conference play? Like, what do you do with that? I don't know why they don't just make that. Well, I mean, still it's three games, but wouldn't it make sense for them to put that Detroit Mercy game and we get another one for the Red Foxes as I'm speaking here? Um, Jeez. Marist looking like what we expected them to be coming into the season. Um, Moving on, some games that have already happened here. UMBC tops Stony Brook in overtime again. If you remember, uh, UMBC topped Stony Brook in overtime at the beginning of March. Down in Catonsville, in Maryland, and they do it again, this time, in Stony Brook, on Long Island, 14-13. to And this is a game where Stony Brook, man, this is a tough loss. It's a tough loss. They're down 10-6. to Early in the third, as a result of a, I think it was a five-goal run for UMBC, if I'm not mistaken. Seawolves fight back here, and they go on a four-goal run uh, from late in the third through early in the fourth to tie things up at 12. And then Matt uh, Matt, Matt DeMoe puts in the overtime-forcing goal um, there. Brandon Galloway, who had... Uh, four goals to lead the UMBC offense. Um, he had he t- he he put UMBC up twelve to eleven, and then Demo puts in the game uh, the game tying goal to take it to overtime. Ryan Frawley, uh puts home the game winner, his fifth of the day for the Retrievers offense. Tommy Linger uh, with sixteen saves. For Stony Brook, Anthony Palmer, 11 saves. Corey Van Jehoven, 3 goals and an assist on the Seawolves offense. It is now 12-6. Marist Hugh over Manhattan. In that one, the uh, nightcap game that's going on here as I record this. Um... By the way, I had a question the other day in my DMs about Marist. So, uh, Jake Wienerman, uh, no, he's not on the roster. Uh, I think he might have played the first game, uh, and he is in the transfer portal. But he was one of those guys that uh, came back for a fifth for a fifth year. Um, obviously, uh, all this, the situation that happened there with them, uh, he's no longer on the roster uh, again, he might have played the first game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but uh, he's not on the roster, and he is in the transfer portal as a uh, as a grad transfer um, for the 20, 
22 seasons, so uh, could find himself playing somewhere else next year. Just thought I'd put that out there uh, since I had a question of that in the DMs earlier today. Um, St. Joseph's, so some of the games here, uh, St. Joseph's has captured the NEC regular season title, um, and by default, the gets the number one seed in the NEC tournament as they take down uh, LIU 14-13, to a very, very tight one here. LIU had some opportunities late, uh, was only able to get the only able to get, I think, one goal it was, like in the final five or something like that of the game. Uh, that's all I watched of this contest, but a very, very tight one there. Um, Christian Mule. So, dude saw what his brother did for uh, for Duke on, on Thursday and said, I'm going to one-up you. Dude goes and puts up 10 points, 7 goals, 3 assists, He's going to be one of my three stars of the week. Uh, one, two, or three, yet to be determined, but uh, he's definitely on there. As he gets 10 points to lead Lehigh past Bucknell, 18-12. to 12. And this is a game that there was a portion of the game where I thought, a portion of this contest where I thought, eh, are we going to see an upset here? Doesn't happen. As Lehigh gets the win, Muay. 10 points in this one. Seven goals, three assists. Phenomenal. Another game where you thought, eh, we might see a upset for a second was UMass and Fairfield as the Minutemen upend the Stags 21-14. to uh, This was a very, very close contest through the first half. UMass kind of broke it open in the second half. Uh, Kevin Tobin three goals and six assists in that one. Another CAA contest here, Drexel, I mean, Delaware, stopping the Towson Tigers' Cinderella run right in their tracks. 16-8 win for Delaware. That offense cooking, as always, Charlie Kitchen, Ty Coates. I mean, they were cooking like no other. Um, that was not a pun there with Charlie Kitchen there, by the way. Um, fantastic win for Delaware. Looked as dominant as they have all season. There, there was some times in there where Towson was giving them some, some problems early on, but Delaware gets the win there. Then uh, another feel-good story, I guess you could say, uh, Marco Vork has been out with an injury. Uh, for the entire season. Um, and he has six goals in his season debut to lead Bryant past Sacred Heart 20-12. to 12. Um, I believe, let's pull up the uh, schedule here. I believe that was Bryant's last game of the season. If Oh, no, they have one game left. They play, oh, actually two games left. Yeah, yeah, because they have that makeup game. Okay, so they make up the game against LIU on Tuesday, and then they play at home against Mount St. Mary's on Friday. So watch what Mark O'Rourke can do there. 
um, as he has six goals in his debut, has been one of the best um, offensive weapons for uh, Bryant over the past couple of seasons. Jacksonville uh, gets their spot in the SoCon tournament as they beat Bellarmine 8-7. to um, They were pretty much already in this one. Um, Bellarmine, you know, they are... They are uh, alive, but um, as far as SoCon tournament is played, play is concerned, what in the world? Stupid doorbell just like goes off randomly. Um, technology, right? Um, back back on track. I don't know if y'all heard that or not, but oh well. Um, Jacksonville eight to seven win there. Um, Setting up a nice, uh, I don't want to say nice, but a, a kind of a odd situation in the SoCon. And High Point beat Air Force today as well. Um, and Richmond beat, excuse me, Mercer beat VMI. Mercer and Richmond play tomorrow at 11 a.m. on Sunday. So um, that is one that if you are a SoCon fan, you'll definitely want to watch. Um, and, and the SoCon tournament is, um, we are, um, in for some exciting stuff down the stretch here. So, um, if Moso beats Richmond tomorrow, it's pretty much set, whereas, it would be set with Richmond, High Point, Jacksonville, and Mercer. Because I think Mercer would be Air Force, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken. Um, actually, let's pull that up real quick. This is going into the conference um, tournament races update talk right here. So we're going to start in the SoCon here um, as we've been talking for the past couple minutes. So Mercer... Beat VMI today. They have Richmond. And they did beat Air Force. Okay, so if Mercer wins tomorrow, they clinch that spot. They clinch that final bid. Um, and they're in there along with Richmond, High Point, and Jacksonville. Um, if they lose, and if Bellarmine beats Mercer by three goals, Bellarmine gets in. So, interesting situation there between uh, the Bears, the Knights, and the Falcons. I think there's still a way the Falcons can get in. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. Um, SoCon always an exciting conference, especially late in the season. Moving on to a conference that is um, already settled for the most part. Uh, yeah, it is settled um, here. So the Big Ten tournament, obviously everybody will be in it. Um, and I believe what they're doing. So, um, so... If you look at the at the women's tournament, they have seven teams. 
So the number one seed gets a bye. Um, so when you look at the men's tournament, they have six teams. So they will do the um, like normal with uh, is what I believe we'll see. I don't believe the top two seeds get a bye, but um, the way the seeds are looking at are looking at the moment. Oh, that's not what I want. There. Okay, here we go. The way the seeds have finalized, Maryland number one, Rutgers number two. Well, actually, we have, well, Rutgers and Michigan play tomorrow. And I don't, yeah, there's nothing that can happen there because um, Rutgers has beaten everybody else but Maryland. So Maryland one, Rutgers two, Penn State gets that three seed. And then we have Ohio State. Michigan and Johns Hopkins at the bottom. I'm, I'd have to look at the tiebreaker scenarios here because um, when you look at Michigan, they obviously they beat Hopkins and they beat Penn State, who's the number three. Uh, but they have not beaten anybody else. They lost to Penn State by in overtime. Obviously lost to Maryland, lost to Ohio State pretty big. So, um, but then we have Hopkins, who's two and eight, and they split the series against Michigan, but they beat Penn State. Also, I'll have to see how that works. If who gets the bottom, if it's just straight up what the standings say uh, by win percentage, then it would be. Johns Hopkins at the bottom. Um, and that, again, that's assuming that Michigan loses to Rutgers tomorrow, which very, very likely to happen. But um, that's how things are looking there. Maryland 1, Rutgers 2, Penn State 3, Ohio State, Michigan, Hopkins uh, is what it's looking like today um, as we sit here at 8.50 p.m. And it looks like the Marist Red Foxes are going to beat the Manhattan Jaspers, 14-7. to Manhattan trying to get a late goal here um, as the clock winds down. 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Marist finishes the regular season undefeated 3-0. Very odd to say. Very odd to say. Now moving to the America East here. It's an interesting race at the top. So, UMBC, Stony Brook, Albany, all have captured, uh, have clinched boats in the America East tournament. And they are doing the four-team tournament. So, I don't know. I think Vermont, let's pull this up real quick. Here we go. Um, so Albany, UMBC, and Stony Brook have clinched um, those spots. Vermont is kind of the last team there. Like I, I assume they're getting in. Uh, they haven't officially clinched a spot yet. Uh, with that loss today, they've got Albany and Stony Brook left. 
um, next week to play. So uh, they will, you know, who knows? They, they beat Albany that first time around, 14 to 12. Um, Albany coming off that win over NJIT. We got Stony Brook coming off that loss against UMBC. Stony Brook clinched that um, spot in the American East tournament like two, three weeks ago. So uh, they've been there. Uh, they've done that already. So America East, kind of a race for the top there at the moment. Looks like UMBC uh, will get that number one seed. But, uh, you know, again, still a lot of lacrosse to be played. Um, UMBC, however, does have one game left. So um, I think that is pretty settled. But the two, three, four uh, could still be some movement there. Now, a conference where... Like, we literally could see movement uh, here more than any other is the CAA. Um, Lord, this conference is a mess. We love it. We, we love it, man. The CAA, the uh, America East, don't ever change, fellas. Do not ever change. So, Delaware, um, I believe they clinched that top seed. Today, uh, they've got a game against UMass next week to end the season, but uh, this is a Delaware squad that is 6-1 and one in conference play. They're the top of the rest. Then you've got Drexel in second place there, UMass in third, Hofstra and Towson sitting there with three and four records, uh, UMass with a three and three record. Uh, they obviously mentioned play Delaware next week, and they've lost their last three games um, in conference play. Had a bye week this week. Uh, when you look at Hofstra, they play Fairfield next week. They're also coming off uh, in the midst of a three-game losing streak. Towson, they've got a game against against Drexel next week, so um I think it'd be hard-pressed for Towson to jump in there, but um, this is you know, what I call the Crazy Athletic Association. So um, if anything can happen, it would be in this conference. Um, and again, they, they're not doing... So they originally planned to do um, to do the Everybody Gets In now they've gone back to the normal schedule of a semifinals and a final. So um, that is what we're dealing with here. So only four teams get in, uh, looking like Delaware, Drexel, UMass, and Hofstra uh, will get that. Um, now that UMass, uh, yeah, UMass and Delaware game, um, and what I mentioned, Drexel plays. Drexel and Towson game have some weight that could shake some things up. But other than that, um, looks pretty set here and would assume those are the teams that make it. Again, Hofstra, Towson have the same record. So, um, and Towson beat Hofstra and lost. Uh, yeah, they beat Hofstra and lost to Hofstra. So split that one. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the tiebreakers today. Uh, but uh, I'll have that for y'all on uh, on Tuesday when we get into some bracketology. 
Moving on to the NEC, I mentioned St. Joseph's has clinched that number one seed there. Um, The way they're doing it this year is that um, the um, semifinals and finals as usual, so it didn't expand it or anything like that. Um, And when you look at the standings at the moment, It looks pretty um, pretty normal, I guess, what we expected. You know, St. Joseph's, LIU have clinched that both. St. Joseph's, the top seed. LIU um, looking like, well, LIU plays Bryant next week, so that could uh, possibly see some shakeup there in the two, three, and four spots. Hobart is sitting there in third place, so um, and then we have Merrimack, Wagner, Mount St. Mary's, and Sacred Heart at the bottom. Uh, don't see either or any of those teams sneaking in. Merrimack finished their season today, um, as did, I believe, the website is not loading. Um, you know, and then, you know, th- those other teams, there's no way um, that they're going to get in. Either so, um, looks like this one is set. Just got the uh, the seating to work out. Um, we mentioned the Patriot League earlier um, with the updated tournament. Lehigh is in there. Uh, Army is in there, and then Loyola, Navy, and Boston U. Is that right? Loyola, Navy, Boston U are in there as well. Um, will be in that tournament. It, remember, it was thought it was just going to be Army, Boston U, Loyola, and um, Lehigh. Excuse me. It was thought it was going to be just that. Um, but now... It looks okay, so it was set now. It is set now. Um, Army, Boston U, Colgate, Lehigh, Loyola, and Navy. So uh, those teams have clinched a both in the Patriot League uh, Championship uh, Patriot League tournament. So that is what how things will look like. Uh, Lehigh getting that number one seed. Um, and then I don't exactly know. I think there's still some work to be done of there for those final couple seeds. But uh, as I mentioned, Navy got a game left. Um, Loyola has a they have a conference game left, or they just have that Georgetown game. So, yeah, they just have that Georgetown game left. Um, so they're done with conference play. Uh, next week we've got Navy and Lafayette and Colgate and Army. Uh, so not really going to shake too much up there, uh, but appears to be well. It is set the Patriot League tournament. Um, I don't know the exact seeds at the moment. I'm not going to go into the uh, tiebreakers and all that right now. Again, I'll have that for y'all on Tuesday. This has been the uh, Across Bucket Podcast. As always, 
Thank you all for listening, tuning in. You can catch us on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, multiple other podcast platforms. You can follow us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. Have a great rest of your uh, Saturday or beginning of your Sunday. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday where I will uh, I, I, I'll touch base with y'all. On uh, I'll have more of that conference uh, tournament information in terms of uh, exact seating situations. Um, and we'll also touch on the uh, games that happen on Sunday. Mercer Richmond, Michigan Rutgers, North Carolina, and Notre Dame, and Dartmouth, and Tufts. We'll also have some Bracketology talk there as well. Until then, take care and enjoy the lacrosse.